Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. For me, uh, for those that don't know my story very well, I wasn't born in a Christian family. And so I discovered Jesus for myself as I got older. And I realized as I got older that there was a lot about Jesus, a lot about the Bible, a lot about church that I didn't understand. And I had some doubts and I had some questions that I was wrestling with. And so when I finished school, I, I felt like, actually, I want to I grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to understand more about all these things that I have questions about. And so I went and did a theology degree studying who, who is God, who is Jesus, how do we understand the Bible, what are some of the tools and resources we can use to do that. And um, what I realized when I finished that degree is that I came out with more questions than I had in the beginning. And that's because the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And oftentimes people say that wisdom is actually not knowing a lot of things, but actually having a realistic idea of just how much you don't know. And so um, as I grew up, as I got older, I've seen some of my friends walk away from their faith. And when I was seeing this happening, I began to wonder and ask the, the question, why? Why has this happened? Why are my friends walking away from their faith? And what I realized as I reflected on that is that they stopped asking questions or they had these doubts and these questions and, and they didn't deal with them. And so I wonder for you where you're at. Maybe you've had some doubts or questions about whether Jesus is real. Maybe you've had some doubts or questions about whether you can trust the Bible or not. Or how, how do I make sense of what I feel and believe in relation to what others feel and believe. Well, thankfully, we're not the first people to struggle with this. And when we look at followers of Jesus throughout the Bible, they had their own doubts, they had their own struggles, they had their own wrestles and experiences that they had to go through. And so there's three words starting with D that you may have heard before, which are this, doubts, deconstruction, and discipleship. And before we get started, I want to quickly just come up with some definitions of what those mean in the context of what we're going to be exploring today. So the first one is doubt, which is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. So for example, if your friend is never on time, maybe you doubt when they say they're going to be there on time. <laughs> right? So that's doubt, a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. And we can have that about ourselves, about other people, about our faith, about Jesus, about the church. We can have a lot of doubts around any of those things. The next one is deconstruction, which is basically it's the letting go of false beliefs, bad ideas and ugly misconceptions about Jesus. And obviously that can apply to ourselves, that can apply to other people, that can apply to Jesus. But in this in this context, that's what we're going to look at. Letting go of false beliefs, bad ideas, and ugly misconceptions about Jesus. And then the last one is around discipleship, which is this word that means essentially the process of becoming more like Jesus for the sake of other people. 
So we don't become like Jesus um, only for ourselves, but actually so that we can love and serve people as Jesus did. And so we're going to take a look at these three words, doubt, deconstruction, and discipleship, and we're going to look at them in the context of a guy's life called Peter. And so we're going to look at his journey through three parts. And so here's the three points we're going to look at today. The first one is around doubt and how having doubts is okay, but we need to bring our doubts and our questions to God and others. With this idea of deconstruction and pulling apart all these lies and beliefs and misconceptions we have, we need to do it wisely with other people. And then lastly, discipleship, that we need to focus on becoming more like Jesus. And so we're going to look at this in the context of Peter's life and the journey that he went on. And so here's a bit of an overview of Peter's journey for those that don't know much about him. So he starts off as a fisherman. And then what happens, Jesus tells him to follow him. And that's all disciple means. It means a follower. And so he becomes a follower of Jesus, a disciple. But then what happens is he has an experience that causes him to doubt whether he can trust Jesus. And then what happens is uh, he sees what Jesus can do and he becomes stronger in his faith and he continues to follow Jesus. And then later on what happens is he has to go through this process of deconstruction. He has these ideas about who Jesus is, about who the, who the Messiah should be, and he has to get rid of some of those false ideas and beliefs in order that he can come to the truth of who Jesus is. And then after that, what happens is he rejects Jesus. And so he, he denies Jesus and rejects him. But then he comes back and he's, he's restored and Jesus restores him. And then what happens is he becomes the leader of the church. And so that's quite an incredible journey of ups and downs and highs and lows that I think really encapsulate what it looks like for each of us to follow Jesus. We have high moments and we have low moments and we have doubts and questions and false ideas that we've got to deconstruct. Um, but always there's an invitation to discover more of who Jesus is. And so the first part I want to look at today is around doubt and look at Peter's experience of doubt and what Jesus does in the midst of that. And so going back to our definition, doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. So in this context, it's a, it's a feeling of uncertainty for Peter about whether he can trust Jesus or not. And you see, we all have doubts about things. We have doubts about what's going to happen in the world with all these events that are happening in our world. We have doubts about how it's all going to play out. We have doubts about whether our friends are going to follow through on things. We have doubts on whether um, a relationship is going to go the distance or not. We have doubts about whether we can uh, believe what our political parties say every time the election comes around. But here's the thing, what role does doubt play in our faith? And so for Peter, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 31, Jesus invites Peter to step out of the boat and walk on the water with him. And this is, this is what it says. It says, Shortly before dawn, 
Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And for me, when I read this here, right, Jesus is not asking, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He's not asking this to accuse him or to make him feel bad, but he's simply asking the question, why did you doubt? What is it that you're wrestling with? What is it that made you not be able to trust me in this situation? Because you see, the problem isn't doubt, but it's unexpressed doubt. And research has shown that doubt is one of those things that can make your faith stronger or make people walk away from their faith altogether. And the difference is that when people express their doubts, when people express their concerns and their questions, it helps them to wrestle through it until they find an answer. You see, doubts don't disqualify you or make you a bad Christian. Doubts invite us to explore our faith on a deeper level and help us move past superficial answers and false beliefs that we have. And you see, God wants us to bring our doubts and our questions and our struggles and our frustrations to Him because He's big enough to handle it. It's not like when we bring up our doubts and our questions, God's going, whoa, that's a tricky one. I don't know how to handle that. Right? He's big enough to to take those doubts, to take those questions, those struggles and frustration. He wants us to be open and honest with him. And for Peter, once he shared those doubts with Jesus, it led him to a deeper faith and a deeper trust because he saw what Jesus was able to do firstly and how Jesus responded to him in that moment. And so I wonder for you, what do you doubt? What do you need to talk about with your friends? or with the people in your life group, or with uh, a pastor or a trusted mentor? What are those questions or doubts or frustrations that you want to work through? Because here's the thing, I want to help us all be confident that God is bigger than your doubts and your questions and your concerns. And so what should we do when we have doubts? Well, we should bring our doubts to God, and we should share them with the people around you. And that's part of the purpose of life groups, right? The, the purpose of life groups is not to sit there and just go through a study and to sit with all this stuff that you're wrestling with. It's actually to be able to be honest about where you're at, about where you're needing Jesus to work in your life, and to help wrestle through some of those things together. And so... That's what we should do when we have doubts, to not keep it inside, to not hold on to it for ourselves, but to bring our doubts to God and to others. The second part I want to look at is around deconstruction. And then, as we looked at at the start, right, 
When we go on about this idea of deconstruction, one way to think about it is if you think about a moldy, termite-infested, old, rundown house, right? And this is an image I found on Google of a place that you really wouldn't want to live in. Well, here's the thing about any kind of construction is that you need to tear things apart before you can rebuild it. And you see, deconstruction is letting go of false beliefs, bad ideas, and ugly misconceptions about Jesus that get in the way of us experiencing and knowing who Jesus truly is and what he wants to do in our life. You see, it's the same for us in our faith. We can have all these ideas about how Jesus works, about what it means to follow him, and some of those beliefs are true, but some of those are false expectations or ideas that we have to work through and let go of in order to get to the truth. It's a bit like the internet, right? You see all these different ideas, and some are just straight rubbish, and some are true. And so you have to research and work out what is true and what's false. Now, I wonder what Jesus thinks about deconstruction. Well, I would argue that Jesus practically invented it. Because in Matthew 5, Jesus says a number of things and he corrects some of the false ideas that people had about what it means to live a godly life. And one of the things he says is this in Matthew 5. Five. He says this, you have heard that it was said. In other words, here's the idea, here's the misconception that you have. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So in other words, in this, in this situation, Jesus is helping people let go of and deconstruct these false beliefs that they had. They'd heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But actually, let's pull that apart. And what I want you to do as my followers is to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that's an example of Jesus showing us what it looks like to do this process. And so what's Peter's experience of this? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is teaching his disciples that he must die in order to save all of humanity. And here's the interaction between Jesus and Peter. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him or began to challenge his ideas. Jesus, you've got it wrong. He says, Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And what ends up happening is Jesus challenges him and says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, Jesus was deconstructing or challenging Peter's understanding of what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the chosen and promised king that was going to rescue the nation of Israel at the time. See, Peter thought that Jesus was going to be a conquering king, that he was going to come in and kick everyone's butts and be a strong warrior. But Jesus was actually someone who wanted to serve others, not boss them around. He wanted to suffer so that others didn't have to suffer. He doesn't achieve victory through taking over, 
but through sacrificing himself. And so there's a few ideas that I've had to deconstruct in my own life. The first one relates to the way that I interacted with my dad growing up, right? My dad was working and uh, providing for us and very busy. And so it made me think in my relationship with God that God is distant and he has bigger problems to worry about. So only come to him with the big things, not the little things. Also, I used to get in trouble a lot as a kid. And so I thought God's a judge who always wants to tell me off. Also, with some of my relationships, right? Growing up, there were relationships that when I opened myself up, when I told people what I was feeling and what was going on, what would happen is they would either hurt me or they would leave me. And so that meant going into relationships. I had that at the back of my mind. Don't open up or people are going to hurt you or leave you. And another one is around being a leader is easy. And so those were a few of those ideas that I had to pull apart, some of those false beliefs and misconceptions about myself, about who God is, about other people that I had to deconstruct so that I could come to the truth. And one of the things that was helpful for me in that process was doing stuff like Steps to Freedom in Christ, where you actually break down some of those lies and you replace them with the truth of who you are and who God is. You see, deconstruction is not a bad thing. Tearing down these false ideas to get to the truth is not a bad thing. But here's the danger of it. When we do it alone and when we think deconstruction is the end result. You see, just like renovating a house, you can't just tear it up. Otherwise, you can't live in that house anymore. You have to replace it. Otherwise, you'll be homeless or in a house that doesn't keep you safe. And the same thing for us. Once we tear down some of those false ideas or lies, we have to replace it with the truth. But how do we find that truth? Well, we have to do the journey with other people because otherwise, like a house reno, we can get into all sorts of trouble. Right? There's a reason why they say, get a professional plumber or electrician to come to your house. Because if I try and rewire the electricity in my house, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to burn my house down probably. And so the same thing with our faith. We can't just do this journey on our own. We need other people and other people's advice and their wisdom to speak into and help us see things from a new perspective. And so what do we need to do when we deconstruct? Well, we need to do it wisely with other people. Because ultimately, we need to deconstruct all the junk that distorts our view of Jesus and what it means to follow him. Just make sure that you don't do this alone. And once again, if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to be in a life group. As I said, Steps to Freedom in Christ, that's been something personally helpful for me to wrestle with some of these ideas and replace them with the truth. And you can go to start here desk and sign up for that. And there's people that will pray for you, people that will chat it through with you. And you don't have to do that journey on your own. The last point is around discipleship. And so now, what is discipleship? Well, simply put, it's the process of becoming more like Jesus for the sake of other people. And a famous author called Dallas Willard calls this process the renovation of our heart. 
In other words, where we let go of those things that aren't serving us anymore and we replace it with the truth of who we are and who Jesus is and we allow Jesus to renovate us so that we can be the people he wants us to be. And the thing about a good renovation is that it never stops with demolition. It doesn't stop at deconstruction, but it continues into the rebuilding phase or what we might call reconstruction. And so going back to that photo before, right, it's not really much to look at. It's not warm. It's not inviting. It's not going to protect you from the elements. If anything, you're probably going to pick up a few things if you sleep and live in that space. But then, when it's renovated, it looks like this. Right? What a complete transformation. It's warm, it's cozy, it's inviting. That's the kind of place you want to spend time in, right? Look at that bath. It looks cozy. And see, Peter's story didn't end with Jesus hanging on a cross and buried in a tomb. Peter's story had new life breathed into it when he was met face to face with the risen Jesus. And see, what happened is, as I said, that Peter denied Jesus. He rejects Jesus and he turned away from his faith in him. This is what it says in Luke. It says, Then seizing him, being Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And then Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. Then what happens after this story, right? If this was where the story ended, it'd be pretty depressing, right? But thankfully, there's a good outcome. Then later, after Jesus returns, he meets Peter on a beach and he forgives Peter and he tells Peter to look after his followers. And Peter goes from someone that has walked away from his faith, who's rejected Jesus, to coming back stronger and committing to becoming more like Jesus. And then he becomes the leader of the church. And so for this step, what do we need to do? What do we need to do in this discipleship step? Well, we need to focus on becoming more like Jesus. Because after all, that's what Christianity is all about. Jesus is the Christ in Christianity. And so if we're not becoming more like Jesus, then we're wasting our time. And so as we looked at Peter and his journey, he goes from fisherman to disciple to doubter, to disciple, to deconstructor, to rejecting Jesus, and then he becomes the leader of the church. You see, doubt and deconstruction are a part of discipleship. They're a part of becoming more like Jesus for the sake of other people. 
It's all a part of Jesus renovating our hearts and making us new. And this is a journey that Peter carried on for the rest of his life. See, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 2.25. He says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I wonder when Peter wrote this, was he thinking about that encounter with Jesus on the beach? Where Jesus asked him to feed his sheep and asked if he loved him. You see, friends, Peter knows what it's like to be the sheep who went astray. Peter knows what it's like to get lost in the complexity of life and wind up spiritually homeless. And Peter knows what it's like to be met by the mercy of Jesus, the good shepherd who wants nothing more than to bring us home and to help us rebuild something that is so much better and more beautiful than what we had at first. It's a bit like that image of that bathroom, right? What we have might be a bunch of bricks, might be some holes in the wall, right? But when we allow Jesus to transform us and to work through those doubts and those questions and those false beliefs and ideas that we have about ourselves, about others, about Jesus, then suddenly the end result is something far more beautiful than we could have imagined. And so with all that being said, I want to recap these three lessons that we've looked at from Peter. The first one about doubt and how it's okay to have doubts. Doubts do not disqualify us or or make us a bad Christian. But when we have doubts, we need to choose what we do with it. Either we can hold on to it or we bring our doubts and our questions to God and others and we're open and honest about where we're at. The second one is around deconstruction and how when we tear down these false ideas where we let go of who Jesus, who we think Jesus is, of who we think we are, who we think the church or other people are, when we let go of some of those ideas and we let Jesus work on that process with it, we can't just do it on our own like we're building a house. We need to do it wisely with other people. We need to get input from other people. And then lastly, discipleship, where we become more like Jesus for the sake of other people. And in that process, we need to focus on becoming more like Jesus. And so I wonder for you, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you doubting? Do you have questions or concerns or frustrations or things that you're wrestling with in your faith? Well, maybe you need to share those with God or with other people. And so if that's you, maybe you can write down some of the concerns or questions or doubts that you have and someone you can share it with. And I encourage you, if you're not in a life group, that is the purpose of life groups, to wrestle through some of these things, to to grow deeper in your faith with Jesus. And so if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to get into one so that you can start opening up and sharing some of those things so that your faith can become stronger. Are you deconstructing? Are you wrestling with some views or some ideas or some misconceptions that are getting in the way of your faith or, or your understanding of who Jesus is or who you are or who other people are? Sorry, can I get that back up? 
Um, so, if that's you, maybe you need to do something like the steps to freedom in Christ. Maybe you need to share some of those things with other people. Maybe you need to organize a catch-up with Nathan or myself or, or, or someone. Or lastly, are you becoming a disciple? Or are you becoming more like Jesus? And here's the thing, we don't become more like Jesus for the sake of it. We become more like Jesus so that we can better love and serve the people around us. And one of the great ways we can do that at church is by making a difference, by being involved in a team, by serving and loving people with the unique passions and strengths and gifts that God has given us. And so maybe that's a way that you can, you can become more like Jesus in the way that you love and serve those around you. And so what I want to do is I just want to give you some time to think about that, to think about where you're at. And you may be one or more of these things. And so I invite you to think about what you need to do next. Why don't you take 30 seconds to do that? So friends, I want you to imagine if this year and in the years to come, we did these things as a church. If we shared our doubts together and we work out what are the things that are distorting or getting in the way of us following Jesus and seeing who Jesus really is. And then how can we focus on becoming more like Jesus in the way that we love and serve those around us? Imagine if we did all those things together, right? If LifeGate Church is a place where we get real, where we're open and honest about the doubts and concerns and frustrations that we have. If we work through that together in relationship with each other, through life groups, through sitting down with someone you trust and sharing some of those things. If we allow other people to input and help us to see things from a new perspective. And then in the process, we allow Jesus to transform us in the way that we love and serve those around us. Imagine if we did that. Going back to that bathroom, imagine if our life was like that bathroom. If Jesus takes wherever we're at right now and he turns us into people far beyond what we could have even thought or imagined was possible. What a beautiful image that would be, right? And so I'm just going to pray as we wrap up, as we close our service today, and invite you to pray with me. So Jesus, we thank you that our doubts and our concerns and our frustrations and our questions are not too big for you. That you want us to be open and honest and to share those things with you. And so we pray, wherever we're at, we pray that you would be renovating us, that you would be transforming us into the people that you want to be, want us to be, so that we can love and serve those around us. And we pray for Lifegate Church, for the church that we may be in two years, in five years, in ten years, that we would be people that look more and more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, for those online, I want to thank you for joining us. We're going to put up some questions now, and I invite you, if you'd like some prayer, 
to click that prayer button and someone would love to pray with you, would love to work through some of those questions that you have. So we're going to say goodbye to you now and have a good week. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.